This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Ned Hawkins is the Director of Student Programs at the World Affairs Council of Philadelphia. The topic of the Council's 2016 Summer Global Leadership Seminar for high school students is the migration crisis and the future for the European Union. In the weeks leading up to the seminar, Ned has studied all aspects of the crisis. Today, he's going to help us understand it better. Hi, Ned. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Um, I thought a good place to start would be what exactly is the migration crisis? Yeah, great question. So um, really what we're talking about is the mass movement of uh, people into Europe. And this uh, situation is on such a scale. It's, it's over a million uh, migrants who have uh, flowed into Europe uh, that's created really a situation that is the worst humanitarian crisis uh, Europe has faced uh, since the end of World War II. Um, and really what the, the situation has entailed is uh, the movement of, of migrants who are either fleeing uh, persecution, uh, war, or uh, violence, or um, uh, migrants who are also uh, um, have, chosen to, uh, um, have chosen to go to Europe uh, for economic reasons. And uh, this has really challenged European governments uh, and has also challenged uh, a lot of the, the pan-European uh, uh, laws and systems in place uh, to handle refugees. So what are some of the potential challenges, risks, and rewards for migrants making the journey to Europe? Yeah, so, um, you know, the journey itself is just tremendously risky. Um, you know, I would, you know, when you just hear the stories from the migrants themselves, um, this is a, a traumatic experience um, uh, for all, if, if, if not, you know, certainly for, our, for everyone. Um, you know, the risks are every, you know, the journey itself, it's on foot. Uh, you're, you're involved with, uh, you know, uh, transportation that is, uh, you know, on a need basis. You might, you might be on a train, you might be on foot um, um, for, you know, a long period. It's thousands of miles. It's unpredictable. Uh, you know, you're also dealing with crowded, overcrowded refugee camps. Uh, there are criminal gangs who have uh, taken advantage of the refugees. So, uh, you know, being robbed is uh, definitely a, a, a big risk. And also the refugees or the migrants are actually very vulnerable. Uh, they want, they have a, a goal in mind. Um, they're, and, and they're being taken advantage of a lot of times by human smugglers and human traffickers. So those are, are you know, it's just a very, very dangerous process. When you get to Europe itself, then, you know, the, the, the challenges aren't over. Uh, there's certainly significant challenges in, in, in regards to integrating into society. Um, so if you do make it to Sweden or Germany, um, you know, finding work, um, also just uh, adjusting culturally to a whole new culture um, and a whole new setting, uh, a whole new environment um, is, is is a big challenge. Certainly, the reward would be, uh, you know, if you're if you're fleeing violence or war, uh, to be in a safe, stable place um, that that the European member states are. Um, that's certainly a reward. If you're an economic migrant, um, you know, the European uh, member states are, uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, have provide a high standard of living. So, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, that that's certainly a reward for for uh, for the journey. So, do you have an example of a real migrant story to help illustrate the experience? 
I do. Um, and, you know, there's so many horrible um, um, stories, and, and rightly so. I mean, this, as I mentioned, this is a, uh, this is a journey that's full of a tremendous amount of risks and is traumatic for many. Um, but, you know, to, to f- kind of focus in a different direction is um, the story of uh, Mahmoud uh, Bitar, who is a, um, a Syrian from uh, Aleppo who, um, you know, made the journey to Sweden. And it took him over three years. And, um, you know, just to get into Greece, which would be the entry point into the uh, European Union, um, it took him a tremendous amount of back and forth uh, to Lebanon and Egypt, uh, back to back to Lebanon, back to Egypt, uh, uh, to Turkey, and finally he made his way to Greece and now is living in Sweden. And, you know, what, I think what's really interesting about uh, his story is he has become kind of a uh, star of social media and has used Facebook and, and uh, various forms of social media to kind of show um, the integration processes process uh, and the challenges of being, um, you know, a refugee in Sweden and what it's like to uh, integrate into Swedish society. Um, you know, he has, uh, you know, and he, he, he does this with a, a real sense of humor. So there, you know, when he left uh, uh, Syria, like many Syrians, uh, Sweden was kind of the land of milk and honey. Um, and he thought, you know, you'd have a new car, a new house. Um, the reality isn't such. Um, and, you know, it, you know, definitely he, he, he kind of, uh, you know, talks about it's even even little things, the challenges of integrating, uh, like when you live in Sweden and you have 20 hours of daylight and during Ramadan, uh, you need to fast during the day and, and then you get to uh, eat at night and uh, 20 hours is, 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 is not what he's accustomed to when he was living in Syria. So he, and, and he does this with a, a real sense of humor and uh, uh, a young person who, who's really used uh, social media to tell a story. So can you help us better understand the response of the EU states to the crisis? Uh, what are, why are some welcoming while others are closing their borders? It's a great question. So um, the European Union overall, the, the 28 member states, uh, do have certain regulations uh, to, uh, in terms of um, uh, handling uh, migrants and, and asylum seekers and refugees. That's under the Dublin regulation. Although, you know, through some leadership uh, uh, provided by Germany and, 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 and some other uh, member states, um, you know, largely the, rea- the, the response has been uh, not a pan-European response, but more so of uh, the 20 different member states responding to the crisis. Um, you know, so, you know, and, and, and really, what's the difference uh, between some states being welcoming? Like, Germany has been fairly, uh, is a good example of a country who has been fairly welcoming to the refugees, um, and Sweden. And then you have certain states like Bulgaria or uh, Hungary who have, uh, you know, have not been as enthusiastic as uh, towards uh, welcoming and integrating the, the refugees into uh, uh, to their countries. And I think a lot of that boils down to geography. Uh, con- some countries are more on the uh, front lines of the crisis. So certainly Bulgaria sharing a border with Turkey, Greece, obviously, uh, um, uh, Italy, uh, Hungary. These are all countries that are, um, you know, for lack of a better word, being overwhelmed by the crisis. Um, and then, you know, the second, uh, the second piece would be uh, economics. Uh, you know, for, for Bulgaria, for Hungary, um, you know, their economic situation isn't the same as Turkey or France. Um, these are countries that don't have the same amount of resources economically. And, and, and this, this, 
this presents a real big challenge for a country uh, that might have difficulties, uh, you know, in economic terms. On the other hand, uh, for a country like Germany or Sweden, this 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 is an opportunity, perhaps economically. Uh, you know, there are uh, low birth rates uh, in a lot of. Uh, you know, Germany is a good example of having a low birth rate, and uh, you know there's a there's a need for um, for for migrants for economic purposes. So you know, Germany has been very welcoming, and and there's a lot of argument that this may uh, down the road in the future uh, be an economic benefit for a place like Germany or Sweden. And then you have, you know, politics and history that factor in. Um, certain countries have, uh, you know, more of a uh, more political parties uh, that might be anti-European or anti, um, you know, nationalist or, or xenophobic in a lot of cases. Uh, you know, so you know the the history, you know, of of the twenty eight member states, the history can be quite different uh, and the experience. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, history. Some countries have more of a history of international cooperation. Um, certainly the uh, Nordic countries or Scandinavian countries have been, um, you know, real big uh, champions of uh, international cooperation. So their attitude towards this is going to be slightly different um, than, you know, some other countries that don't, you know, don't share the same history. So to touch on that again, what is xenophobia? And um, do you think the crisis will transform these countries? Yeah, so... Xenophobia is uh, the fear or hatred of uh, foreigners or a foreign culture or foreign religion. Uh, so, you know, xenophobia, um, you know, has, um, you know, unfortunately been part of this crisis uh, in, in, you know, almost all of the EU member states you are seeing, um, you know, nationalistic populist parties uh, that are uh, kind of gaining momentum. Uh, you know, these aren't parties that necessarily, I, I would say, are, uh, um, you know, going to take power. In some cases, there are, there, that is a potential. Um, but, you know, these parties, these aren't new either. These are parties that have been in existence um, um, for quite some time. And, um, you know, they're, they're, the, the situation certainly uh, kind of um, uh, fuels their, their message, um, unfortunately. You know, how it would transform EU member states, I mean, it, it, it will certainly transform them in the short, short, short term politically. Um, you're going to see um, a, a reaction uh, based on people's fears in, in some cases. Um, public opinion is kind of split on how to deal with, how to deal with this crisis. So you're going to see this in the short term. You know, my, my guess in the long term, um, you know, that, that's a good question. So, um, you know, it really depends on how the, the crisis pans out. This is kind of a moving target. Um, you know, it, it changes quite rapidly. And, you know, in 2000, last year, in 2015, during the summer, um, you know, we had close to a million migrants this year, we're starting to see some of the controls and some of the, um, uh, you know, management of the situation um, be successful and be effective. I think this year so far, we've only, uh, you know, the numbers are, are kind of a quarter of a million is the number of migrants who have, who have uh, come to, to Europe. So that's slightly down um, than the situation that was presented the year before. Um, you know, one guaranteed long-term effect. Uh, a lot of European member states are going to be um, uh, culturally diverse and they're going to have religious diversity that they didn't have 10 years ago or even two years ago. Um, you know, a lot of refugees or migrants are going to choose to go back, but a lot are going to choose to stay. And that's going to change demographics in Europe. How do you think many of these issues will be resolved in the future? 
Yeah, so that's that's also a really that's a million dollar question, hard question. As I mentioned, this is this is a moving target. Um, you know, just to boil it down to to some concept uh, concepts, I you know, it's certainly going to take management management of the crisis. I mean, in 2015, um, I mean, I don't think this really this should not have caught caught European governments by surprise, but I think they were a little more uh, reactive to the issue. Um, so, you know, this is really going to take, uh, you know, uh, management on, on um, you know, member states and, and, and the European Union's uh, initiative to, to kind of manage the, the refugees and the migrants coming into, into Europe. It's also going to take cooperation. So, um, you know, it's going to take cooperation uh, amongst the EU member states to kind of find a way uh, to solve the issue. You know, certain countries are, are bearing, the, bearing, uh, bearing the burden, and they're on the front lines. Certainly Greece uh, and Bulgaria, I mentioned, Italy. Um, and, you know, there are, um, you know, just ways to, to, to kind of, you know, goes back to the management piece, and it's going to take cooperation, um, you know, across all of uh, the European Union's member states. Thank you so much, Ned. You're welcome. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.